Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. It's time to reimagine therapy and what it means to be a therapist. We are human beings who can now present ourselves as whole people with authenticity, purpose, and connection, especially now when therapists must develop a personal brand to market their practices. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Withelm with Katie Vernoy. Very much in the news right now is the immigration practices and policies that are being implemented at the southern border of the United States. And I know that there's a lot of outcry that we're hearing in our circles from therapists about how to get involved in these situations. And we are fortunate enough to be joined by Mark Sadoff. He's an LCSW in the Los Angeles area. I've seen Mark present before on doing asylum interviews in order to help people in these situations have a pathway to citizenship. He's very generous with his time today being able to join us and to talk about his process. So thank you very much today. Thank you so much, Kurt. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. We're really, really fortunate that we have both seen you. We both attended a workshop that you put on and that you were so willing to come on in short notice. This is a very timely conversation and we appreciate you taking time with us. Can you tell us a little bit for the folks who've not listened to you before and not met you before, who you are and and what you're putting out into the world? So I was licensed in 1985. I went to school at USC, School of Social Work, and I started domestic violence groups with uh, Alice LaViolette. That violence experience also helps me in, uh, in this. And then in 1998, I started working with, as a volunteer, the Program for Torture Victims. It was headed up by Jose Quiroga, who is an MD, along with Anna Deutsch, a marriage and family therapist, and they only do torture. For our listeners, there's going to be a number of different resources and agencies and stuff that are brought up throughout today's episode, and I'm just going to preempt a lot of your time right now. All of these are going to be listed in our show notes. You can post on our website, mtsgpodcast.com. So it sounds like in the work that you've done over the years, there's been a lot of really intense work, violence, torture, and then now more specifically, these asylum cases. How did you get involved with asylum evaluation? Like, when did that start? David Gangsey is a psychologist, and he and I were trained in EMDR. He approaches me and says, how about doing some working with Program for Torture Victims? And the enthusiast, that's me, thinks, oh, I'm going to use this EMDR. We're going to help them recover their grounding or being and uh, recover from PTSD. But it's my first night of education by Jose Quiroga and uh, Ana and David. 
I learned, the help that we give as clinicians is not that we treat them for their PTSD. None of them, almost none of them are in any, even years after coming into the country, they're still not ready for treatment because they're still unsettled. They don't know, they're just un, unavailable for treatment. The treatment, as Jose would say, is the asylum. The treatment is getting them security in, in where they're going to live and that they're not going to be hunted. Yeah, Maslow hierarchy of needs, right? Make sure that That's they've right. got some safety and stability. Can you walk us through a little bit of what the asylum process looks like? Well, I'll walk it through for the asylee and from my own clinician's perspective. The asylee cannot just cross the border illegally and then mm -hmm. for asylum. You present yourself, turn yourself over to the authorities at an official port of entry, and you state, I am seeking asylum. Within a few days, generally, there's an interview is set up called the asylum interview or credible fear interview. The person who does that is called an asylum officer. The person is highly trained but is not a judge and is, and is not a therapist. If the AO believes that there could be a case here, then he or she lets it go through to the court. And then the, an immigration judge will eventually decide about whether they get asylum or not. Now that can take another several months to set the first hearing, and then after gathering data, could be years. Uh, I've been in many hearings when I testified that were set. You know, I'd come, and then the case is already almost a year old for me. When I interviewed them, I barely recognize them when I see them, and then I they continue the case for another year, and I may or may not have to come back. So then the asylee should get themselves a lawyer before they go to court, gather documents, evidence, and make the application and do legal battle in court because there will be immigration service attorney who his or her only job is to make the best case against the person. Oh. <laughs> it's kind of, well, like all law, it, it, that's our system, right? It's, yeah. Uh, advocacy. And I'm sure some of those people feel bad because they might, some of the service attorneys probably know this really is a good case, but my job is to... To prove that it's not. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end -end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. 
So before we move on to kind of the asylum evaluation process from the clinician perspective, which I'm assuming you'll kind of state how when those people get involved, but for the asylee, once they present themselves at the border, and I think this is something that personally I'm super interested in, so I don't know if anybody else is, but you know, we, we're seeing very clearly right now that people are being detained. Obviously, there's also the, the thing that's been horrifying to many of us, which is families are being separated right now, that kind of stuff. And I know that there's nuance there that I don't quite understand as far as, you know, who gets detained versus, you know, the asylum process. But assuming all goes well, and they present themselves at the border, ask for asylum, and you know the first of, the first person they talk to says it's worth the case is worthwhile and they can move forward where do they stay what is you know how does this you know what happens in that process because you're saying this is a years long process and are they living in the united states at this time are they detained like what what's happening for the asylee during this process as a as a clinician i'm not i don't have answers to that but okay. i watch a lot of rachel maddow and other <laughs> news shows so from my experience of, let's say, 115, 120 different cases, I also wonder how, you know, where, how do they support themselves or where do they stay? There are, for instance, in uh, Minnesota, there's a whole Sudanese community of Muslim people from Sudan. It's the Lutherans who just made it their business at some point years ago to set up a whole sponsorship program that provided home or sponsorship, if nothing else. Uh, technically, in most cases, they're not allowed to work. And so that becomes a problem. Your questions about who gets detained and who doesn't, you know, without a nuanced or fuller understanding of, of the law and the practices by this administration to muddy the waters of, of what's going on, if you show up at a port of entry and you say, I want to seek asylum, whether you're coming with kids or not, you're not breaking the law. Mm -hmm. and, it, and the fact is that in this administration, the, they are treating them as if they've broken the law, and they talk about this, these people as if they're lawbreakers, and they are not. Bringing us back to what is the clinician's experience in the asylum process? It starts with a phone call from public counsel. These evaluations, doing the interviews, it's about five hours of interview, maybe it's six or seven if you need translation. And then there's about uh, five hours of writing and consulting with a lawyer. And these days, there's no testifying going on. For the uh, clinician to write one of these reports, it's not like you're trying to prove you're a great writer that knows all this research and blah, blah, blah. The, our method of writing a report is you simply get the DSM-5 diagnostic requirements, you have a copy of it on your report, and you are now cutting and pasting segments of quotes, exact quote, and observations. So I may also be uh, citing in parenthesis italicized client, or I'll say Ms. Garcia, uh, quietly sobs with her head in her hands and rocks for 20 seconds. So that's an observation. And my interview will develop a two or three pages of typewritten transcribed notes of exactly what was said and my observations. And I've got one document open on notes on <laughs> one side 
And then I've got my template for, of the diagnosis and the template of the report. And I cut and paste, cut and paste the, each statement. Yeah. The only reason I wrote it is because I know that it's related to a symptom. So I just want to clarify, I'm not totally clear on the asylum evaluation process. So you're basically saying, is this person negatively impacted? Is there fear? Is there true trauma that they've experienced? Is that kind of what you're saying in these, these evaluations? The law is simply client has a credible fear. Mm-hmm. Now there's room in that. Is it that the client is a paranoid schizophrenic and it's all in their head? Or is it that it's really out there? Oh, okay. Okay. But in, you know, mostly it's tagged to reality. And there, there's another, there's only two expert witnesses that I've seen in these hearings. And that is our, that people like myself, clinicians who are there to back up their report, to be cross-examined. That's why we testify is because the service attorney for the immigration department will want to question me on my credentials, maybe, or on my conclusions or on my diagnosis. That almost never been attacked in 65 appearances to testify over 20 years no one's come after me viciously like, oh, did you really get that training? Or how many hours was that? Did you get this? Okay, so you're proving legally that the person has a credible fear. Okay. When I first started writing these, I thought, oh, I I can't really, uh, in the interview I did, I can't seem to reach a diagnosis. I I don't have enough data, or or it's just not there. I'll still submit a report to the lawyer I may say there was a time in this person's life when all the symptoms were present, and I might say post-traumatic stress disorder in remission, but I may also just say no diagnosis. They never did quite reach it. But my report and and maybe my testimony, if I can make such a great case or in my testifying, I make a great case for the idea that this is a credible case. There's reasons, there's symptoms that show maybe that she doesn't hit the full thing of PTSD, but my writing is persuasive, I hope, to the judge or my testimony that make it a more believable case. And that's what the judge is always trying to figure out. Am I just Mm -hmm. being played here? What qualifications do therapists need to have in order to successfully help people seeking asylum? You mentioned a little bit earlier that you don't even speak Spanish, so I'm guessing that being bilingual isn't even a requirement. It definitely is not a requirement, maybe to be a little sarcastic about it. What you need to be an expert witness in immigration court so that your report is respected is uh, a pulse, respiration, and... (laughs) And a license. Got it. Got because, it. Because, I mean, the point I make is if you do, if, if someone did somehow end up testifying, and just think about it. Uh, you've been to school for all this time. You've studied. You've done therapy. You've seen people that have PTSD. You, you've seen people that don't. You are the expert in the room. You are the most knowledgeable person about this diagnosis. And as I said, the the goal isn't to demonstrate they have PTSD. If they do, that's a plus, but it's not the only reason you're writing the report. And it does show, and you want to be able to be eloquent in your report or testimony, has been affected this because of what happened. 
you have a very active way that you can engage and try to assist these families. And I know there's probably a lot of people who have been really impacted by the stories that have been coming out lately. I guess the first question is, how has what's been going on lately impacted you, your practice, the families that you see? Because it feels really overwhelming uh, what's happening and, and how the, the stories that we see, the, all of that. So how has that impacted you? Well, personally, it's unbelievable. So personally, I'm, I'm very disturbed and motivated. And two years ago, when I saw the statistics about the about 60,000 immigrant children that were unaccompanied, so they're all under 18. Oh, wow. And, and they showed up in just the year 2014. Under Obama, they weren't imprisoned. They were fostered out or sponsored, or, and apparently the resources they were being uh, overwhelmed, but they didn't incarcerate them. So clinically, your question does, you know, the topic comes up periodically in the last month, we'll say. Perhaps I should be, I want to see myself in the future as a result of you bringing it up to see clinically how these separations where you're hearing the recordings and mm -hmm you know, there's a part of me that wants to flip it off. What I, what you're saying is that part of this is, is you're taking action around the asylum seekers, the immigration, the VAWA, all of that. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. How do therapists get involved? Because I think it can seem overwhelming, but I know you had mentioned a webinar, so this is an opportunity to talk about that. But, uh, but what are the ways that you recommend that people get involved if they're feeling inspired to do so, if they're feeling called to do so right now? You can get involved as a person, as a citizen, and that can be calling your legislators calling, any representatives joining groups or protests and writing emails or any form of activism and organizing that might be helpful. Uh, it clearly, Trump backpedaled on needing to do his executive order about where the goal was to separate children. And why did he do it? Because 24-7 coverage on the media, yeah. but also marches and also just public opinion was clear. Yeah. So that's as a person. As a clinician, there's only one way, and that is do these reports, doing the mm -hmm. actual evaluations that actually quadruples their chance of achieving asylum. And there is some organizations that have come out with statements, almost all of the professional mental health organizations, the American Psychological Association, National Association of Social Workers, California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists, American Association of Marriage and Family Therapists, California Society for Clinical Social Workers, American Academy of Pediatrics have all come out with statements against these. There's the Child's World America petition to get involved with. You can call your senators in support of Diane Feinstein's Keep Families Together Act bill. 
And there's also Refugee and Immigrant Center for Education and Legal Services, shortened down to RACES, which is doing some advocacy and apparently here in July of 2018 has access to a couple of the child detention centers. They are looking for some clinicians to help speed up the process of being able to interview as many of the children as possible who are in these facilities to get the asylum process going. We will include information on all of this in our show notes. I don't know much about the time frame for many of these visits, but we will have contact information to the people who are available for that in the show notes as well. And I know that you have a webinar. I want to hear about that because you do trainings to help people do these evaluations more confidently. So how can people find your stuff? Of course, I want to get to that, but let me tag, <laughs> let me tag on to what Kurt just talked about. Sure. Uh, he or you brought up races, and I thought, you know, I, I just learned about this group uh, recently, and now it's uh, got an email, and it said a call for a therapist to go to Brownsville, and I'll bet that's the, the people, right? They, mm-hmm. this, is, this is the facility. It's just one facility, but there's uh, maybe a 1,000 kids there. And so if you want to immediately apply your clinical skills, especially if you're good with children, or, or interviewing is that you could fly down there at your own expense, get a hotel at your own expense, and you've got two days. I think it's July 11th and 12th or something. I've just vague memory. And you could do the interviews that are helpful for moving their case, right? And maybe helpful in establishing a claim. Clinical people, not just social workers, who work at some of these facilities are gathering data that is being used against them, against the child in proceedings. So the child may talk about things and then that information, of course, ethically, those social workers ought to give some thought to whether that's okay with them. And there are attorneys out there who will defend you if you resist those uh, unethical grounds. If you come to know that your information and you learn that that's being used against this client, a four-year-old. Oh, dear. <laughs> then you can, uh, it's brave, it's courageous. You could refuse to do it, and uh, that. And there are attorneys that are willing to help defend you. So with the webinar that you're, you're putting on, can you give us a little information on how people could connect to that? Because I think a lot of people will want to know what's involved and, and if they want to move forward. Okay, the webinar itself covers everything you need to know about the nuts and bolts of actually interviewing and actually writing the report. And that just shows you how simple it is, is uh, applying their statements there. So it sounds really practical. How, how could people find it? Is it something, we can put a link in the show notes. Is, this, is it something they can access all the time? Are you timing it? Like what's going on with that? Realhope.com. R-E-A-L-H-O-P-E, realhope.com slash webinar dash training. Great. And the webinar consists of a series of three weekly webinars. You can access it by telephone, by computer, by iPhone, or Android. Uh, the webinars occur at on Fridays. So they're, all three of the webinars are... 90 minutes. And in the second webinar, 
you get a big download, uh, tons of referencing materials, lists of agent legal agencies, resources about where to get uh, U visa cases, T visa cases, which are a woman who's been kidnapped or trafficked, gives testimony and then gets her documentation to stay in the country. And there's hardship cases, there's definitions, there's all templates of these types of reports, of redacted templates. What you get for sure, once you've taken my seven-hour course, you are enrolled in a monthly free, 11 o'clock every uh, once a month on Fridays. You get a support group. We often talk about cases that people are doing. I've got about eight or nine people doing cases now, and we'll put their report up there, and I'll talk about what's, what's good and what can be improved. Great. Thank you so much to Mark Sadoff for joining us today and really a very topical discussion around everything that's happening politically in our country right now. Once again, you can check out all of the resources and a lot of the stuff that we mentioned in our show notes. Those are available on our website, mtsgpodcast.com. While you're there, also check out our Therapy Reimagined conference coming up in October here in the Los Angeles area. Two days and 14 CEUs about crafting better clinicians for better client outcomes. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy and Mark Sadoff. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.